Welcome to the Further Light Podcast, brought to you and presented by Wisconsin Freemasonry, helping you accomplish your Masonic goals through education and more light. And now, I introduce to you, Brother Chris Ludke. This is Brother Chris Lickie, and today I want to explore the five senses. And when I'm exploring the five senses, I'm exploring these in a Masonic context. So when we are instructed in the five senses, the lesson we receive today would seem, well, light and trifling. We all know the five senses, touch, taste, feeling, hearing, and seeing. We also probably know that they don't incorporate everything, such as proprioception, which is understanding where your body is in space. Now, pairing the five senses with the orders of architecture previously discussed, there must be some greater lesson here. The question is, what more can can there be, and where can we look to find it? Today, I want to break the usual mold. We will examine what the five senses are, but we also look at the old lecture on the topic and specific lessons we are to take from them today in the message of the senses within the context of masonry. So, what are they? The five senses are the senses or faculties of sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch, by which humans and animals perceive stimuli originating excuse me, from outside or inside the body. These faculties assist the person in experiencing and understanding the world around them. Basically, we're a bunch of jello inside a bone prison. And that jello needs to be able to understand the world around it. So it takes in all of its stimulus, well, through the senses. They frame our experience of the world in a way that our brain can interpret and make sense of all that we experience. These five senses, along with the reasoning of our minds, help us receive data and produce feedback to our surroundings. Now, today, based on what we are currently taught, we are told that the five senses are, again, hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, and tasting, the first three of which, hearing, seeing, and feeling, are deemed particularly essential. William Preston's work has clearly been abridged here, but what can we take from this simple passage? Well, I want to take a look at a couple of authors. First, Carl Cloudy, who states that this is this degree is a glorification of education, the gaining of knowledge, the study of the seven liberal arts and sciences and all that they connote. Therefore, it is wholly logical that the degree should make special reference to the five means by which we have for acquiring all knowledge, or by which we will ever acquire any knowledge. Another author by the name of Canmus states the following. Comprised of five steps, this section denotes manhood. It builds on the foundation laid in the previous section. The steps represent the five orders of architecture. They also have reference to the five human senses, the first three of which are held in high esteem. 
They are said to make up the three component parts of a complete man, representing the mental, physical, and spiritual, which are represented by the three Greek columns. These columns are supports of both man and the lodge. These columns denote wisdom to contrive the mental, strength to support the physical, and beauty to adorn, or the spiritual. Ascending these five steps is to ascend the five senses. Finally, another author points out that by combining the seven liberal arts with the five senses, one can distinguish between reality and fiction. Understanding those elements of the world which are real and those which are not. This can be visually represented with a Pythagorean triangle. What he's doing is really kind of interesting. If you take a Pythagorean triangle, right triangle, on one side you have the three liberal arts of the trivium. So grammar, rhetoric, and logic. On the other right angle, he has the quadrivium, arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. But interestingly, on the hypotenuse, on the angle of the triangle, we see the five senses. Touch, taste, smell, hearing, and sight. And it works as a Pythagorean triangle, because the square of one base plus the square of the other, in this case, 3, the square is 9, 4, the square is 16, you add those up, they're 25, the square root of 25 is 5, and you get the senses. It's kind of a beautiful visual representation and a, possibly a hard one to get across in an auditory manner, but you get the idea. It's kind of like radio. We're just trying to get the idea across. But it's beautiful, and it gives you the sense that one needs these different things to come together. But there is something I want to get into, which is the original material written by Preston going hundreds of years back. And so I want to read from this because it's going to give you a good idea of where this once stood and what we would have learned. Quote, The senses we are to consider as the gifts of nature and the primary regulators of active powers, as by them alone we are conscious of the distance, nature, and properties of external objects. Reason, properly employed, confirms the documents of nature, which are always true and wholesome. They distinguish the good from the bad, reject the last with modesty, and adhere to the first with reverence. The object of human knowledge or the objects of human knowledge, are innumerable. The channels by which this knowledge is conveyed are few. Among them, the perception of external things by the senses, and the information we receive from human testimony, are not the least considerable. The analogy between them is obvious. In the testimony of nature given by the senses, as well as in human testimony given information, things are signified by signs. In one as well as the other, the mind either by original principle or by custom, passes from the sign to the conception and the belief of the things signified. The signs in the natural language, as well as the signs in our original perception, have the same signification in all climates and nations, and the skill of interpreting them is not acquired, 
but innate. Having made these observations, we shall proceed to give a brief description of the five senses. Hearing is the sense by which we distinguish sound, and are capable of enjoying all the agreeable charms of music. By it, we are enabled to enjoy the pleasures of society and reciprocally to communicate to each other our thoughts and intentions, our purposes and desires, while our reason is capable of exerting its utmost power and energy. The wise and beneficent author of nature seems to have intended by the formulation of this sense that we should be social creatures and receive the greatest and most important part of our knowledge by the information of others. For these purposes, we are endowed with hearing, that by proper exertion of our rational powers, our happiness may be complete. In other words, learning. Seeing is that sense by which we distinguish objects and are enabled in instant of time, without change of place or situation, to view armies in battle array, figures in the most stately structures, and all the agreeable variety displayed in the land, the scope of nature. By this sense, we find our way in the pathless ocean, traverse the globe of the earth, determine its figure and dimensions, and delineate any region or quarter of it. By it, we measure the planetary, planetary orbs and make new discoveries in the sphere of the fixed stars. Nay, more, by it, we perceive the tempers and dispositions, the passions and affections of our fellow creatures, when they with most to conceal them, so that the tongue may be taught to lie, but the continence will display the hypocrisy to the discerning eye. In other words, you would use vision to discern someone lying through body language. In fine, the rays of light which administer to this sense are the most astonishing parts of the inanimate creation and render the eye with all its powers a particularly, a particular, excuse me, or peculiar object of administration. Of all the faculties, sight is the noblest. The structure of the eye evinces the admirable contrivance of nature for performing its, its various external and internal motions, and the variety that is displayed in the eye of different animals, suited to their several ways of life, clearly demonstrates this organ to be the masterpiece of nature's work. Feeling is that sense by which we distinguish the different qualities of bodies, such as heat and cold, hardness and softness, roughness, roughness and smoothness, figure, solidity, motion, and extension. By means of certain corresponding sensations of touch, there are presented to the mind as real external qualities, and the conception or belief of them is invariably connected with corresponding sensations. By an original principle of human nature which far transcends our inquiry. All knowledge beyond our original perception is got by experience. The constancy of nature's law connects the sign with the thing signified, and we rely on the continuance of that connection which experience hath discovered. The three, hearing, feeling, and seeing, are deemed particularly essential among masons. Smelling enables us to distinguish odors which convey different impressions to the mind, 
animal and vegetable bodies, and indeed, most other bodies continually send forth effluvia of vast subtlety, as well as a state of, na- of life and growth, as in the state of fermentation and putrefaction. The volatile particles probably repel each other and scatter themselves in the air, till they meet with other bodies to which they bear a chemical affinity, which they unite and form new concretes. This effluvia being drawn into the nostrils along with the air are means by which all bodies are smelled. Hence, it is evident that there is a manifest appearance of design in the great creator having planted the organ of smell inside of that canal through which air continually passes in respiration. Tasting enables us to make a proper distinction in the choice of our food. The organ of this sense guards the entrance of the alimentary canal, as that of smell guards the entrance of the canal for respiration. For the situation of these organs, it is plain, from the situation of these organs, it is plain that there was intended by nature to enable us to distinguish wholesome food from that which is nauseous. Everything that enters into the stomach must undergo the scrutiny of taste, and by it we are capable of discerning the changes which the same body undergoes in different compositions of art, chemistry, pharmacy, and cookery. Smelling and tasting are inseparably connected, and it is by this unnatural kind of life which men commonly lead in society that these senses are rendered less fit to perform their natural offices. Though the medium of the senses, we are enabled to form just and accurate notions of the operations of nature, and when we reflect on the means by which these senses are gratified, we become conscious of the existence of bodies and attend to them, till they are rendered familiar objects of thought. To understand and analyze the operations of the mind is an attempt in which the most judicious may fail. All we know is that the senses are the channels of communication to the mind, which is ultimately affected by their operation. When the mind is diseased, every sense loses its virtue. The fabric of the mind, as well as that of the body, is curious and wonderful. The faculties of the one are adapted to the several ends with equal wisdom and no less propriety than the organs of the other. The inconceivable wisdom of the Almighty Being is displayed in the structure of the mind, which extends its powers over every branch of science, is therefore a theme particularly worthy of attention. In the arts and sciences, which have least connection with the mind, it is these faculties acting as engines which we must employ, and the better we understand their nature and use, their defects and disorders, we will apply them with greater success. In the noblest arts, the mind is the subject upon which we operate. Wise men must agree that there is but one way to know of knowledge of nature's work, the way of observation and experiment. By our constitution, we have a strong propensity to trace particular facts and observation to general rules, and to apply those rules and to account for other effects, or to direct us in the production of them. This procedure, understanding, procedure of understanding, is familiar to the common affairs of life, and is the means by which every real discovery in philosophy is made. On the mind 
all our knowledge must depend. It therefore constitutes a proper subject for the investigation of Masons. Although by anatomical dissection and observation we may become acquainted with the body, it is by the anatomy of the mind alone we can discover its power and principles. To sum up, the whole of this transcendent measure of God's bounty to man, we may add that memory, imagination, taste, reasoning, moral perception, and all the active powers of the soul present such a vast and boundless field for philosophical disquisition as far exceeds human inquiry and are peculiar mysteries known only to nature and to nature's God, to whom all are indebted for creation preservation, and every blessing they enjoy. So let's look at this in a larger context. Arguably, both forms of the lecture, both forms of the teaching, ask that we use our senses, a very enlightenment idea, to investigate and understand the world, both physical but also spiritual. The senses can speak to the need to move beyond the material world, and also prepare us to take on the lessons of the seven liberal arts. The senses are what we have in the world. It's what we come into the lodge with. It's what we come into the world with. It's what we develop through childhood. And yet it is necessary to use those senses when we move to the seven liberal arts. It's creating a foundation. At the same time, we must move beyond the pursuit of the hedonistic, this, uh, excuse me, sensual pleasures, those pleasures brought in through human sense to devote ourselves, devote ourselves, excuse me, to the pursuit of the pure, of the mental, and of the spiritual. Hence, in youth, we receive tools. In manhood, we learn to observe the world and be productive. And in age, we learn to understand the world through the seven liberal arts and find our own enlightenment through education and contemplation. And really, while we look at Preston creating this beautiful and eloquent piece of material, this beautiful lecture on the five senses, I recommend that you go back and listen to that again, or if you get a chance, go and read it. Because there's a lot of great information there but how we use those senses for the greater good. But as always, we need to draw this to a conclusion. And here I want to quote largely from Cloudy once again. Brute beasts hear, see, feel, smell, and taste as we do, the animals. But they garner no fact of science, win no truth, formulate no law of nature, through those senses. More than the five senses are necessary to perceive the relation between them and thing, and life and life. That factor is the perception, the mind, the soul, or spirit, if you will, which differentiate man from all other living things. The argument is always made. If you've seen, for example, the creation of man on the Sistine Chapel, that image of Adam reaching out towards the finger of God, that there, again, we see Adam as a being like the beasts. Not without a soul, arguably. He can see, he can touch, he can feel. 
but he lacks reason, rational thought. And so really, when you look at the position of the five senses in that teaching with the pillars, and then you look at in regards to where it falls in the context of the seven liberal arts, it makes a lot of sense. One must first understand the world around them and how to observe it before they go ahead and apply those lessons into the mental, the aesthetic, or the spiritual. If the five steps then seem to glorify the five senses of human nature, it is because Freemasonry is a well-rounded scheme of life and living which recognizes the physical as well as the mental life of men and knows that only through the physical do we perceive the spiritual. It is in this sense, not as a simple lesson in physiology, that we are to receive the teachings of the five steps by which we rise above the ground floor to the last flight of seven stairs, which are typical of knowledge and representative of the mental, of understanding, of going beyond the senses, beyond the sensual realm, into a form of purity, a form of purity which is necessary if we are to begin to understand the mystery of deity. Are you interested in learning more about Freemasonry in Wisconsin? Visit wisconsinmasons.org. That's wimasons.org. Learn more about Freemasonry and access more educational content and further light. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email us at education at wimasons.org. Once again, that email address is education at wisconsinmasons.org. Thank you for listening.